This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. The Great Courses has a collection of lecture series geared towards professionals, including Scientific Secrets for a Powerful Memory, How a Conversation Works, Art of Public Speaking, and Influence, Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. These series offer great tools and insights for anyone looking to improve their recall at work, hone their presentation skills, or become a better negotiator. And now, for a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for Weekly Standard listeners. Order any of these four business and presentation courses for just $9.95. This special price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time. Order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Michael Warren, who's been keeping an eye on all things political, uh, while the rest of our friends from the Weekly Standard are off in Alaska, aren't they? Yeah, on a, on a cruise. Uh, I think I'm having the real fun here in Washington as the heat reaches the high 90s and uh, uh, you know, everybody's gone and, and it's kind of a miserable place, but I think I'm having the most fun. Now, uh, you and I are the last, you know, Russian soldiers left at the <laughs> swarms. You stay there. Stop the Nazis, my friend. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're the leftover. We're the ragtag band. Speaking of ragtag band, I'll, I'll tell you a pathetic looking group of people, GOP front runners like Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio and Scott Walker. Yikes. These guys are uh, given they, they they are longing for the days of Carly Fiorina numbers. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we've really seen sort of a moment here, and it's not just Donald Trump of the outsiders, whether it's uh, Donald Trump, of course, or Ben Carson or Carly Fiorina, kind of having their moment here. Uh, I think there was uh, that the Fox News poll had Trump at twenty five. Okay, that's that's been the norm for a couple weeks now. Uh, ben Carson at twelve uh, percent support. I mean, that's a huge jump for him. Uh, Ted Cruz, I think, was at 10 percent. He's an outsider type in, in inside. And and then Jeb Bush at nine in fourth place in that Fox News poll. It's it's bad for the uh, the would be front runners and and uh, and really good if you're uh, an outsider. It's 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 that kind of weird moment uh, in August, uh, the year before the actual election where some of these folks get some hearing. Uh, and I think we're just kind of waiting to see if it breaks from the norm and, uh, and we get an actual real outsider as the nominee. Uh, similar numbers from the CNN poll that showed also Trump in the lead, although Jeb does better in their poll, but still the people you kind of expect to see, uh, you know, doing well, like Scott Walker in Iowa, like Marco Rubio in general, they are tagging behind, like you said. I mean, Dr. Ben Carson seems like uh, if, if my brain ever needed surgery, he would be on my short list of people to call uh, right after Donald Trump, who would do, do a fantastic, fabulous job. Because be the classiest brain surgery you've ever seen. But uh, you kind of don't really think of him as really president of the United States jumping right in there. Uh, so what does this tell us across the polls, guys who were once kind of uh, you know, looked to as champions by people like me are straggling behind while the Carsons and Farinas and Trumps who are fine in their own way, uh, top the polls. Well, part of it is, uh, to, to throw a little water on, on your theory here. It, it, it's that it's the summer. I mean, it's August. Uh, there's not too much going on, uh, right now. Those kind of candidates like Rubio, like Walker, they're going around trying to raise money. They're shaking hands in places like Iowa, New Hampshire. That doesn't always reflect 
uh, in the polls uh, what they're sort of doing on the ground game. All of that being said, I think that they're, th- those candidates, uh, including Jeb Bush and some of the others, I think are missing an opportunity here. Scott Walker just uh, today had a Obamacare replacement speech that he gave. It was his sort of first policy address of his campaign. Its campaign has been a month old. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, old fashioned or sort of out of the loop, but I would have thought that Scott Walker would have had a policy speech from the beginning. I mean, they're sort of trumpeting this as uh, uh, now we're getting into policy. We're going to do this over the next few weeks. Um, Look, maybe that'll work. But look, uh, Republicans and Republican primary voters are anxious about what's going to happen after 2016. They're anxious about where the country's going, and they want to hear uh, answers. They want to hear solutions. And and if they're not hearing that uh, from some of these uh, sort of traditional candidates, the type of folks you think might be leading, like Marco Rubio, like Jeb Bush, uh, they're going to look for outsiders because uh, I think that they're, they're upset. I think that's what we're seeing now. It's not something that Walker and, and, and the rest uh, can't sort of right the ship with, uh, but it, it, you know, it, there's not a lot of time between, I mean, there, between now and November 2016. They've, they've sort of got to make a good first impression, and, and, and I'm not sure that the first impression they've made so far uh, has, been, uh, has been very good. Look, Michael, I'm not going to say that you're whistling past the graveyard. That's a bit strong, but you certainly are humming near the crematorium. I mean, these numbers are very, very low, and the favorable, unfavorable ratings are okay for these guys, but they're not great. You know what I mean? They're not like, wow, people just like Scott Walker, but they're more entranced and enchanted for the moment by Donald Trump. Do you really think that policy positions are the way to go to muscle your way back into the top of the list, given the where the Republican Party is and Republican primary voters are right now? Look, I don't think a white paper or a you know wonky speech is going to rocket you to the top. Uh, but it, I do think it's about building a, a base that you can turn back to and, and, and say on the campaign trail when you're talking to voters in Iowa and New Hampshire or uh, talking about it in ads. You know, Jeb Bush has a lot of money. I don't know if you've heard about this, uh, but he's got a lot of money. My question is, what is he doing with that money? Uh, you know, if, if I were Jeb Bush, I would be, you know, going up on the air, not in a month from now, which is when they've announced, the PAC has announced that they're going to go up, uh, go up on the air now in Iowa, New Hampshire, and and tell voters there what you want to do about, you know, for the country, what you want to do about, uh, uh, you know, national security issues, or what do you want to do about uh, replacing Obamacare? Uh I think it's all part of it. It's sort of a package deal. Uh, the speeches are important. The white papers are important in, in terms of sort of getting your ideas down. But you, you've also got to communicate those. Instead, we're sort of hearing platitudes. We're, we're uh, all kind of wrapped up in, in, the, uh, in the excitement over the debates uh, or Donald Trump, what he said and responding to that. Um, it, it seems to me that those candidates uh, who, who are, are – dipping down here in the polls, really need to sort of take control of their own cam- campaigns and candidacies and try to make them about something instead of about the campaign. I'm going to paraphrase uh, Rush uh, Limbaugh from yesterday and then uh, former front runner for president Herman Cain from today to my fellow talk show host. So I've had a chance to hear in the last 24 hours and I'm not paraphrasing very much. Mike, when I say uh, quoting rush, what's the point of being a rock rib conservative? If it doesn't mean you're going to do stuff for us, what's the point of conservative? And he actually mocked the words policies and principles. 
if it doesn't get done what we want to get done. And Herman Cain said today, who cares if Donald Trump's a conservative? We don't need these conservative labels. Donald Trump's got people excited and that's what really matters. Once again, back to my question, if that is really where Republican primary voters are, I mean, first, as as horrified as I am listening to these once voices of the conservatism going, what's the big deal with conservatism? Who needs that? But setting that aside, aren't they on to something that you're just not going to do it by being right on the issues? You have to pass a personality or passion or a screen test, if you will, if you want to get primary voters to take a look at you and find out what your policies are. Yes, I think it's all of those things. I think it's it's a combination of, uh, you know, being right on the policies, having a knowledge or at least having uh, surrounding yourself with people who do know those things. And it's about getting people excited. And it's about uh, sort of creating a vision where you can get up there on the stump every day uh, and and express that in a way that people feel uh, that that uh, you're uh, sort of articulating what they want to see uh, the country do. I, I think there, there's been a lot of focus on sort of the background stuff of politics, the fundraising, the making sure there are, uh, you know, the right amount of staffers and, uh, and, and consultants and those sorts of things. Um, but it, it does make you wonder what's the point of all of that uh, if you don't, I think, have the ideas and you don't have uh, the, the the passion to sort of get those things done. If you if you watch that debate, you know, I can understand why someone like Scott Walker is kind of stalled in these national polls. It was an OK performance. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Uh, but it didn't really, I think, get anybody excited. There was a different side of Walker I saw uh, on C-SPAN yesterday when he was walking around in Iowa at the uh, Iowa State Fair in which he got into it with uh, some uh, anti-Walker, you know, pro-union protesters. Uh, and I think if you, if you start to see the candidates really sort of interact with voters and express and sort of show, uh, you know, that they are passionate about this, you're, you're going to sort of uh, see a change in the way that uh, uh, voters view them. They, they want to be excited. They want to be uh, interested uh, in politics. And Let's add one last thing. It is still August 2015. A lot of people haven't plugged in yet, uh, and there's still a lot of time uh, for for these candidates to 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 sort of uh, make up ground. But it's got to start now. Yeah, and uh, let's use a specific issue to wrap this uh, podcast up with. And I want to reference a piece by Jay Cost in the Weekly Standard. And you know, Michael, how much I hate saying anything nice about Jay. So please don't tell him I did. But <laughs> he really, he has the worst taste in music of any conservative I know. But anyway, um, so he wrote this interesting piece about uh, Republicans, immigration, and Trump, in which he makes the point that the uh, – Ideas are all just sitting there, and the ideas are not that controversial for the voters. The idea that you should have just enforced the law, the idea that there should be workplace checks, and if you're there stealing an American's job because you didn't want to, you know, do it the right way, something should happen to you. That these fun, and that the the candidates we've been talking to, these kind of presumed front runners or you know talented politicians or politicians with a record who show up, they've let they keep leaving the conversation untended even as the conversation has turned into this massive you know crowd drawing fire i mean I, I i ran campaigns back in the day but at a very you know kind of the state level i would have sent my candidates running and going dude you gotta get a piece of that give a speech tomorrow 
Here's my take on immigration. Here's where Trump is right. Here's where he's wrong, what we can actually do. Get a big crowd together and just start nailing. In other words, start cooking over the fire that's hot. You, you can go build the other fires you know, later. There's plenty of logs out there, but cook over the fire that's hot. And these guys look like they have absolutely no interest in doing so. And it's uh, leaving the field to Trump and it's leaving them in single digits. Yeah, there's a cautiousness uh, uh, being displayed by some of these folks. And I don't know if that's bad advice they're getting from advisors, you know, sort of hoard your resources, including campaign resources, until things really get going. Uh, I think there's some signals that suggest that's what they're getting. Uh, but also, you know, th there's sort of a, a sense of a lack of leadership, right? I mean, I was wondering two week, two months ago when, when there was that terrible murder uh, in San Francisco by the illegal immigrant and, and Trump really uh, latched onto that and it became a big issue and he had a rally and all these things, went out there and met with the families. I kept thinking, wouldn't it be uh, great for one of the other Republican campaigns to have jumped on that? I mean, it exactly. maybe have looked like pandering. Maybe it would have looked like they were trying to get on Trump's coattails. But, you know, Trump's leading in the polls. This <laughs> is some pretty good coattails to be jumping on uh, and, and holding on to. So I, I think there's, uh, again, it's a, it's a bunch of missed opportunities here. Um, doesn't mean it can't be, the, the ship can't be righted in any of these campaigns. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be a lot inspiring confidence in that happening. Uh, and if you can, I think Jay is absolutely right. And, and I would never tell him that in person. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't listen. But I think Jay is absolutely right that uh, what you end up with is sort of a caricature in Donald Trump uh, taking off. And and, uh, and I think that ends up being bad for Republicans and for the country. And for the issue where most Americans agree with the premise of the Republicans, which is there should be a border, it should be secured, there's nothing immoral about deporting, you know, at least some of the people who are here illegally. Uh, you know, the, the people are with us and yet the issue gets stepped on by Donald Trump. One last question. Is this a fair measure of the GOP field? If you can't figure out a way to beat Donald Trump, you can't figure out a way to beat Hillary Clinton and her $2.4 billion anyway. So it's a good thing that he's taking you out now. Yes, except that uh, I don't think Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton will be there uh, at the end of all this. So it may flagging. not matter. <laughs> as, as I'm watching Mrs. Bill Clinton sworn in by her husband, who she's just appointed a Supreme Court justice, I will uh, I will remember these words. I will be moving. I'll be I'll be on my way to Tahiti, <laughs> where I'll be living as a hermit uh, and never never work in this town again. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.